0: Hi, welcome to Coffee and Closers. I'm Michael Bador, and I want to personally invite you to join me in one of today's top performing sales stars for a cup of coffee and authentic conversation. And our collective goal is that you will walk away with tangible knowledge that you can apply to your sales efforts today. Are you ready? We'll grab a cup, fill it up, and let's get into another episode of Coffee and Closers. Whose who's first startup week is this? All right, and who's first copying and closers is it? Well, put your hands together for trying something different, right? <laughs> Sales isn't for everybody, but for yeah. of us that call this home, it's our life, and we come to things like this <coughs> to get better. So for those of you that uh, have been here before, you know usually what we do is um, we, we record a podcast and record a vlog, maybe some of you have watched. Thanks to Jensen Studios, who do a fantastic job of recording that. Um, and putting out there, but this is gonna be different. So we're gonna try something brand new we've never tried before. Usually we interview people like Clarence, or Scott Burns, or Mitch Cooper or, or sales leaders in this community, and you guys get a chance to ask questions. What we're gonna do this time is you're gonna interview us. So what that means is we want you guys to bring real deals, real things, right? Not ideas and hope and glitter, but like real problems you are facing right now. Because what you have before you is you've got one of the nation's top, top funnel experts over here in Sean Higgins, a zero to million dollar guru. I mean, he's been, what, what's the HubSpot's big thing? Which one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, he he speaks at all of them. And you've inbound, got a triple-digit VP of sales turned president who has done nothing but grow and grow and grow uh, large-scale companies. And now he's doing this for, uh, for upstart companies. He left to follow his heart, to follow his mission. And I've been working side by side with him for a while. And he's amazing. Myself. Um, I'm a four-time Presidents Club award winner, uh, closing down multi-multi-million-dollar deals at some of the biggest companies in the world. So you have the disciplines of of top funnel, cl- conversion to close, and sales leadership before you. So take advantage of it. Before we do that, I want to introduce you to some people that um, that make this possible. Um, how many people in sales love operations, love minutia? right? Oh,
1: oh,
0: oh really? <laughs> um, well, where's Where's, where are my friends at? Motive Power, where's Motive Power at? There we go. Go see these guys afterwards. So, so what they do, just to be real simple, is, is fractional COO in a nutshell. So to make sure that your projects are running on time every time with data-driven analytics and, and a team that's unmatched, we partner with these guys just because I'm a visionary. I'm not an integrator, right? So I need somebody to keep me and hold me accountable, and a lot, a lot of corporations and companies do too. So go see them afterwards. Um, for people that are here uh, to learn about sales, I hope that's all of you. Um, I'm constantly trying to read and podcast and whatever about new ways to advance deals or or top funnel stuff that I was never good at, right? Um, My friend, where's Adam Thompson, okay, Focal Point Coaching, there's a lot of coaches in town, a lot of sales consultants in town, but Adam was hand-selected because he's the best. He's a guy that can relate, he's walked walked in your shoes for years, done really well, and now he wants to help companies, corporations, and individuals uh, sell better. Right. And for those of you that are thinking, Q, Q1 might be a good time to look around for a new gig. Maybe it's your comp plan got dicked over uh, the 16th time this year or whatnot. Maybe your boss sucks. Um, either way, uh, we're, there's Jeff Sorensen. He runs uh, Red, Birch, uh, consult, Red Birch Recruiting. I worked with, with, uh, with Jeff over at Oracle back in the day when I feel like every week they were monkeying around with our, with our comp plan, right? So he knows what it's like. Go see him afterwards. His name is Jeff. And last but not least, the house that built BBG, we work Thank you guys, if you wish to work in a place where you are honestly celebrated and excited to come to work every day, this is the place. So go see Emma and Kevin, Prentice, Alec, those guys over there. Um, With that, let's bring up our guys. This is Sean Higgins, this is Aaron Eggert. Put your hands together. So you're gonna notice that instead of me hyping these guys up, you probably wanna know who are these people and no one tells their own story better than the individual themselves. But I also want you to know as you've had some time with my banter going on, to think about what questions you want to ask. Maybe, maybe you're a founder. How many founders do we have here? Okay. How many salespeople? Uh, sales and marketing people, I should say. Okay. First time, you know, first time in sales. You've been in this a while. Who's who's new? All right. Who's existing? Fair enough. All right. Good, nice. Well, I'm gonna no, let Sean introduce himself, and uh, we'll get to the questions. Rock Thanks for
2: coming. <laughs> So I'm Sean Higgins. I founded a company in town called Ilos Videos. We were a B2B software company. I led sales there from zero to a million bucks in annual recurring revenue. I raised $3 million in venture capital, and I was out at HubSpot's inbound last month as a featured speaker. It's still a little early for me. I hadn't I run coffee in there, I had juice, so it doesn't quite pick you up quite the same. Um, but yeah, so where I specialize the most is top of funnel. What early stage companies tend to struggle with Is how to get at bats, how to get opportunities, and so if you're trying to figure out how to get in front of more customers in a repeatable way, I live and breathe that every day. Hey
1: everybody, uh, Aaron Eggers, I. uh I'm happy to have known Nikolai now for a couple years, and this is my one year anniversary from being on Coffee Enclosures. Uh, <laughs> I think it is the second one. That's a fact. Uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for, yeah, love you too, thank you. Uh,
0: all right, Take a bow. so uh, I, uh, I,
1: came f- I came from a company called s and Office Products, so I come from a product uh, sales, uh, B2B, and uh, by 29 I was the vice president of sales managing a $20 million division. Uh, I then exited that business to become an owner of a company called iSpace Environments, uh, in which we went through. We, when I started there, we were about eight million dollars in revenue. When I left, we were about thirty. Uh, so, two hundred seventy percent growth in uh, three years, uh, and then we sustained that over another two. And so, really, it was all done just through uh, through good, solid leadership uh, and and a good culture. Uh, I built a sales team there that was uh, that was by, feared by a lot of the companies in the Twin Cities, and uh, I'm proud to say that they are still running. I have now exited the business. Um, I have started my own firm called Back 40, so a lot of people would be like, why would you call a company Back 40? That's, that's a little weird for working in the city, right? So I live on a farm, uh, and I, I have 15 acres out there, and uh, I love the farm community. Now every business has an area of their business where they, uh, they don't cultivate or they have not grown anything, so the Back 40 of a farm is uh, an area that is uncultivated or undeveloped. I focus on that part of the business so uh, I'm super happy to be here with these guys I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have to throw at us uh, I will be uh, more focusing on the sales leadership side or or and then also assisting Sean with some of those questions
0: on the build-up side so thanks guys Yeah, hey, my name is Nikolai Um I for 15 years um, what I was known for I guess my limited skill set <laughs> what I did was uh, take underperforming uh, territories or product lines that just were not producing and turn them into award-winning profit centers. So I did that at some of the biggest companies in the world, IBM, uh, Oracle, Verizon, and so on. And then uh, Q2 of 2015, I decided to exit that life and uh, help folks like you guys. Uh, I just felt the calling. Uh, I felt just, you know, calling that was that was that that forced me to run to it. So I kind of a risky deal. I had a kid then. That we, <laughs> we bought a house in the lake. It probably wasn't the best time, but I had faith and it worked out. And so now we've been able to um, uh, help help turn profit and help build uh, high growth uh, sales teams over companies like Jamf and uh, Field Nation and Branch Messenger and a ton of other ones. Um, And so it's it's fun to be here for you. But one of my skills and probably what I'll be focusing on today is conversion to close. So we all have to cold call. We all have to do top funnel stuff. But let's be honest with ourselves. Is anyone interviewing for a job where they're like, yeah, we want someone to really um, to do the cold call and then the closing and then, and then manage people and then probably do the, uh, the key account management after the fact. It's not a real thing, right? That's just <laughs> not a real thing. There's just people that have certain skill sets. Uh, conversion to close is mine. So any questions directed that way, I would be happy to feel. With that, we're going to be uh, sharing this mic uh, and passing the, this mic to you guys. We're going to be reque- repeating your questions, because my lapel does not pick up your voice. So speak loudly if you can. Articulate so we can repeat so everyone else can benefit and our audience at home. And we're going to do our best to solve your, your stalls. Who's brave enough to go first? All right. Oh, you want to be Mike, man? Yeah. This is Vanna Feedy over here, by the way. Put your hands together for Vanna He'll be passing <laughs> the mic good. Oh,
1: man.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm uh, Lucy Woolward, founder with uh, Close Security Technology. We're in the uh, gov tech space and uh, made a really awesome connection with a city manager. City, We bonded over the fact that he's uh, Buddhist and my family is Japanese I don't know to look at. Um, and uh, so we, we got on a 30-minute call with him. It was awesome. He's like, you guys are great. I'm going to put you in front of my assistant city manager, my uh, director of facilities, my emergency manager, and the CIO. And we're like, awesome. He's like, we've got these problems. They're going to talk to you about it. We get half hour with those guys, and they're like, we don't have pain. We don't understand what you're talking about. Services that are even like yours. And we were stymied because we had the high level. He pushed us to them. He identified the pain. We brought it up, and they were like, "That's not a thing." So how do you, when you, when you run that kind of roadblock, where you pass down the chain with imperative, and then people say, "We don't know what's doing it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's pass this one? <clears throat> yeah. So to repeat, that, I mean, if, here's what I heard the version. I mean, I'm a guy, so let's be honest. What twenty-five percent listener, seventy-five percent space cadet. So what I what I heard was your champion is the top level. Now this champion is the person at the top of that company, not a official, not a city official that is the top. They're, you know, get what I'm saying? Like they're in house. They're in house. Okay. So and this person brought you in. You're assuming everyone else. Here's okay. So I'm going to take this just for a second. I can pass it. I can get one. I'm going to go with this. Here's the thing with that, so I believe in the squeeze. This is one thing that I learned a long time from a mentor named Josh Kinzer, you know Josh. Um, The squeeze, and the squeeze is who signs the check? It isn't that person, right? It's the the VP of your current. It's someone here that no one ever talks to. That's where I want to start. But then that person doesn't live a day in the life like the rest of the people underneath that person, right? So they know things that he or she does not know, because they're unaware. right? That's why those people are hired. That's why they have jobs. So in that scenario, something that I would do is when you get brought into the top, you say, fantastic, who are your key executives underneath you, that this would really impact the most, and get those names, and then say, may I have an introduction? If they say yes, execute. If they say no, execute, because they already gave you their names, and guess what, Google. So you can find them, and then you can reach out, leveraging that, that, that executive's name to say, listen, I, I was put in touch with you by and he or she thinks that it would be um, you know, advantageous for us to, to meet, um, I'd love to tell you a little bit about what we're doing why they think it would be a fit. And um, it sounds like there's three other names on that list that he or she said that we should meet with. What would, would you guys be open to a, to a launch? I don't know if you guys do face-to-face or if it's all digital, but let's say let's do a webinar, let's do a conference call, let's do whatever I value to explain my story. When you do that story, you'll run the discovery or the unqualified, right? Fifteen minutes, you're going to know you know, budget, is there a pain here? Like, do you guys live this daily? No, not at all. Cool, I'm going to give you the rest of your life back. Or, you know what I mean, like, you start unqualifying the reasons why they're not going to do business with you, because they don't have the pain, they don't have the need, this isn't a real issue in their life. So they're not going to buy from you, because it's not real. So then you guys can all move on with your life, right? And you can tell a CEO that and say, hey, here's what I learned. Thank you for the introduction, keep me in mind in the picture. Maybe just to, to build on that real quick, I think we've
2: all been in a meeting where the other person in the room has not been prepped accordingly, right? You've been in that meeting, you go in thinking you're going to be ready to rock, and you're showing the product, and they are just like, who the hell is this guy? And so in those situations, usually you're missing a step or two, and I think passing through information to verify that there is a real need here for what we're trying to do is the absolute right first step. You know, it's, and almost like when you get an intro from someone, you do the double opt-in to make sure that, hey, is this interesting to you? So-and-so sent me your way. Here's why they thought we should chat. And then when that person says, yes, let's meet, you've got a little bit more qualification information. And they're not coming in cold just because the boss threw a meeting on their calendar. They'd show up to that. But they may not necessarily be engaged. So the one thing I'll say uh, that I, I, so government business is weird.
1: Right? So let's just let's just all throw that on the table. And so you've got an, an exec, a leader that has brought you in and wants you to meet with his team. And these people are it's a very political space and everyone is feared, so one person there is feared that you're gonna take their job mm-hmm. because you're doing something that's gonna eliminate it. So it's kind of looping back in with that leader and I'd say have a transparent conversation with him and just say I didn't get the vibe like something's going on here from a disconnection standpoint and I think we need to talk about that and get into the dialogue of that with that person so that if he has to he or she has to talk that down through the group and help them understand why they're bringing you in and they don't have to be fear of their job because just just what you said and, and hearing what they had to say that would be if I'm putting myself in their spot, I'd be scared. Like, what is this guy gonna to do to run me out of job? Yeah. And it's the the does anybody have any family members or does anybody has anybody worked in uh in state government or city government? Yeah. Okay. So One one guy. Okay, so we we can't. Right. So you're not gonna be able to wrap your head around this, but it's it's like a fear-based job, right? It's like they they just are. They want to be in their own little cocoon. They want to do their job. They want to come in at eight and they want to leave at five. Leave me alone. So you have to work with. You got to get into that mindset of those things. Fair.
2: All right. So I would actually. That was like my question I
0: was gonna ask. (laughs) I actually had a fun job of implementing open educational resources across the country. The salespeople did a great job getting the sale, but they, then I came in and they would say, who are you? And my job was to get them to use the product, and they didn't want it. So what's uh, was wondering if that happened. Um, but my question is that um, I've got uh, two awesome prospects coming up. One is like right within our core, and one is like a stretch. Um, High-level meetings, what should I do to make, get them to use our product?
2: Yeah, so if I'm hearing the question correctly, okay. it sounds like you've got two prospect okay. meetings coming up. One is someone that's right in your wheelhouse, they're in the core of what you do, and the other one is just a bit of a stretch, it may or may not be a fit. I would say, for, for me, it kind of always starts with qualification, right? So whatever qualification framework you use, I'm a big band guy, budget, authority, need, timeline. And so I would be chatting with the ones that are, whether they're in your wheelhouse or not, to kind of qualify your understanding of what you do. And if you're going after like a designated space, something that folks tend to understand, they should know what their budget is, they should know when they're looking to implement and ultimately, they should understand the, the underlying need, like why they need this product. And if they can't clearly articulate that, you might be a nice to have. And what I found when I was we're doing early stage sales, you're exploring all the time. I had people call me up and say, Sean, we want to make videos around this. We need your API. We need that. And half the time, it's just noise. And unless you qualify out those meetings, you'll be with anyone for any reason. And maybe in the early days, that's OK just because you're in learning mode. But when you're actually trying to get real sales growth, that's going to hold you back. You can't take every single meeting. And so I would be very diligent around, hey, here's the criteria that we think makes a good lead. And even if this is a viable opportunity, if it's going to take too long, they're looking to deploy in a year. If it's something that's a nice-to-have need and they've got three other priorities that are more important, I would table it and potentially punt out on the meeting. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Here's our This guy got it first.
3: Hi, um, I'm Carlos Sierra, founder of Extemporary. Uh, uh, it's an ed tech product. I'm also the uh, president of the Sean Higgins Fan Club in New South So if you want to join, you can contact me. I just that.
1: emailed you this morning. <laughs> 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 right. I've been trying. Why don't you call me back?
3: <laughs> okay, so uh, our company is a, a software platform that language teachers and schools use to replace a language lab. Right, LaboStyle language language is a physical location where you bring you, your you, students to do speaking practice for your students. Our teachers use it, using Stepwork, is really cloud based, a so replacement for that. Right? So I, I'm going to just show you the timeline. It's really baffling what, what we went through, and I have no idea how to take it next. So in March, we get an email from a college in DC, a Montgomery College, a very large college. Very large college. Ooh, okay. Um, in March, they write to us, uh, to, you know, our info ad address, and they say, we're looking for a replacement on language lab, uh, you know, can you, send, can you send us more information? We reply, we send more information, we offer a demo and a meeting, we never hear back, we follow again, we never hear back. In April, we start calling them, and after much crowding, we get through the chair of the department, who should be the, department, the decision maker, in terms of any, any new software, right? Uh, she agrees to a demo on the 25th. And her demeanor, is she's just you know, she wants to get rid of us, right? She, we've been a pain in the ass. She's gonna accept it, uh, the, the demo so that we go away. And then during the demo, she goes through this conversion process. You know, where's that guy in the Bible, the fellow with the horse, whatever it is? Like you know, she's like, oh my god, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know this existed. This is amazing. I want my, my team to see this. This is really cool. So you know, her demeanor changes through the demo, right? So this is May. Uh, We agreed to touch base again in July um, because it's the summer vacation and they're gone for the summer. Call her in July, no emails. And then July 31st, I get an email from from her saying, can you send me an estimate for 3,300 students? Which would be a $20,000 account for us, which would be really nice, right? Um, I reply with the estimate and then she writes back and says, thank you kindly for sending me the quotes for 1,300 students. I'm like, 1,300 or 3,300? she never replies to that. Okay, so that's the first compliment Keep calling her reporter maybe 10 times. On August 2nd, she writes and says, Carlos, I'm very sorry about my delayed response, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would like to thank you for taking the time to schedule the conduct, uh, conduct the demo. I'm personally very impressed with what your product offers and its future possibilities. I must also admit that at the moment, while we are considering another platform for our lab, we are far from arriving to a decision already for a group demo. We will be sure to contact you in the future, blah, blah, blah. So you know, I thought I had it. And she's a decision maker. They're looking for something. She wants a quote. We know we're better and cheaper than our competitors. Do I just give up on it? Do I show up and knock on her door? <laughs> At what point do we give up? At what point can we can we close this? Because this seems right
2: for anyway. yeah. closing. <clears throat> so just repeat the question there. So it sounds like you had a prospect who came inbound to you. You reached out to her a few times, got a demo, she was a little reluctant to take the meeting. You get the meeting, she's impressed with the product, but then after a few touch points, after a few months, things start to fall off, and now you got an email from her that basically says, hey, we we like what you're doing, but you know we're a ways out from actually making this happen. the
3: quote, she asked for a quote. Right, and she asked for a quote before that happened.
2: Okay,
0: great. So, something that's very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable, but, we New York Enterprise, and you know, boss gun back that bad for the whole time, you know, you, you tend to get pretty good at being uncomfortable. And it's like, either I'm going to get fired, or I have to do the unqualifying right up front. For instance, in that scenario that came in right? What you have to force yourself to do is ask all of the insanely tough, tough questions right off the bat, right? She reached out to you, so you didn't reach out to her, correct? So she has a problem, right? Let's explore that problem and what the urgency of the need is. Right? That's urgency of the need is. We need to know what that timeline is. Because if she says, yeah, it's really urgent. And in 2019, you say, oh, now in my world, that doesn't sound urgent. Maybe in your world it is. Talk, walk me through your buying cycle and your buying process. Because when we were selling uh, you know, oil and gas to these big utility companies, it was like, it literally was a 12-month, 55 signatures. You know what I mean? And getting that right up front. And then just ask her all loud to say, is this something that you're championing and, and maybe you can fire if this isn't solved? And, Half of them, they go, you know, I mean, sort of. I might get in whatever. And then say, can, I, can, we be, can you be my champion? And you're going to be my champion. You're going to be my point of conversation. You're going to be my point. And she says, no, that's not me. You're going to know her interest level right there, right? which will save you time in the back. And then you say, well, who is? Like, who, who is your group? I want to know all the individuals involved. Okay, I want to know all the people involved. Because I want to know whose stake is this. And I want to reach out to them. And it's bold. It's hard. And you're going to ask them the same thing. Are you running this? Do you guys have budget for this? How important is this? Where, where, where does it rank in a priority level? Now, it sounds selfish. It sounds like you're doing that for you. But you're, yeah, sure, you're doing that for them. You gotta say, listen, if we're going to do this, and this doesn't go, we both look silly. And the difference is I'm going to go call someone else. Your problem is you work here. <laughs> and now you look silly to all those people. And then at least you know where you stand. Now, in regards to this, I mean, I think I, think, I mean, definitely selfish salvageable. Um, I think maybe we've jumped the gun on our excitement level, no offense. Um, because we didn't ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, correct. Okay. Fair. We're, all, we're all adults here, right? Um, I would kind of go reverse order. So it sounds like you've gotten to the decision. You've gotten, You've kind of climbed the chain a little bit. Why not go all the way through and, and touch all those people that were along the way, and just get hands Chances are it's not going to close right now, right? you have kind of discovered that. So calling and email and be like, just check in. I get sold too, and I hate that. You know, just checking in, good. Pick my brain, good. No, um, ask those people along the way, where we at, and say I'm really excited, you're excited. Here's what you know. Here's what points you brought up. So I'm just kind of, I'm just curious. Just kind of, since it gets fizzled. Did I do something? Did I do something wrong? You know, where are you at? And then they will just get where you're at, and they will know. Okay, I got six months or eight months till this thing goes through. I'll follow up in four. Just saying, hey. Otherwise, you're going to waste your time thinking you got a lead that's going to close. It just isn't. For another period of time. But I don't want stark yeses or hell no's. I don't want anything in between because all that is, that's fake hope. And in your position as a founder, that's your bottom line and in your job. In corporate or whatever, it's, you're going to get fired over too many of those situations. Does that help? Yeah, yeah, that helps, thanks.
2: So I have some additional thoughts on this. And I think for me, it kind of always comes back down to no and how you handle no. So I'm a big believer that no is the second best answer you can hear while you're prospecting, which makes sense. Um, But really, it's a qualified no, right? No can mean a lot of different things. No can mean, Sean, I have no idea what the hell it is you do, leave me alone. No can mean not right now, which is kind of where we're at with this one. And then no sometimes can mean no. Uh, The issue that a lot of early reps will have, or startup founders especially, is they assume every no is the last one instead of one of the first two. And so when you get stuck with it not right now, my recommendation almost always is, find out what needs to change. Because otherwise, you're gonna be paying this person every couple months, thinking something's changed, but really you don't know what else is priority, what do they need to get done before it makes sense to revisit you know, this new software acquisition that could replace their language lab. And that'll give you some context around when you do follow up, you can actually, instead of just checking in, say, oh hey, you know, I know you had this the project, Looked like this got finished. I saw it on your website. You made this big announcement. It's now a better time for us to revisit. It actually shows you've done your homework. I'll just throw one thing at you too. It's, um so as you go through
1: your sales process, so you might have five seven steps in your sales process with uh, some things that are uh, associated to that, and those those are rules for your engagement. So your time is just as important as their time. Okay. And so if they can't get you to the next step, so in the business development phase, if you're doing some things in there that get you then to the opportunity phase, and you have some things, whether it be band or whatever steps you use, if they can't answer those questions as to what their why is, you're not moving on to the next step. You're not moving on to proposal phase, okay? And they need to understand your sales process. I think it's okay to articulate what your sales process is. But the other thing about that I will challenge you a little bit on in the future, because uh, you can't redo this, is that, I would never, I refuse to never give a proposal and just send it off. So I always wanna see, I wanna look at, look them in the eyes when they look at a proposal. And I wanna read body language. I wanna understand what they're feeling when they get a proposal in their hands. And they're gonna, are they gonna jump to the last page where the prices or whatever the hell the price is? And you're gonna understand sticker shock or whatever they are gonna get. That part of that, and you, you have to say to them like, I'm, working, I'm personally working on one right now that I've been pushed for three months, and now I'm pushing it into next year on my accord because they will not meet with me face-to-face on, on something that I'm doing, and, and so it's a rebrand for a company. I'm, I'm not doing it, so I'm sorry. Uh, it, it, I'm a seller, and I just said, so we're not gonna engage until you, you can meet with me to review my proposal. Just send it over. No, I'm good, that's not part of my sales process. Your
0: time is just as valuable as their time. I want to end with some light, and then question area. Um, just, I don't want to go on this, but like this is important. I think this is this is going to answer a lot of questions. Um, I think is this is not dead. It's just not alive now, right? It's not alive now. So I don't want to end on a negative you note. Know, but here's the thing: is I've been doing this. We've been doing this a long, long time, and I still jot down notes. I still cold call. we run in this. It's not cold call. I still cold call. Only so that I can hear no's. Scott Burns said something very interesting yesterday. Scott Burns, uh, sort of gov delivery, you guys know who he is. Um, he said that uh, every no is a, uh, is it transcendence or a pathway to a yes? And you know, you read books and books and books, but like the more no's you collect, the more yeses. And it sounds stupid and cheesy, but what they're saying and why I do it is, it's 2018. I started selling it in 2000. I don't want to get don't am Um Things have changed drastically, and I know so 1,000 things have changed. I want to hear a 2018 no. I want to hear, why are people saying no to my thing today? Because they probably wouldn't have said no to it in 2006. you know what I'm saying? So you need a jot of what happened here. I think that's what we're trying to get to is mark down what happened here. Because because here's what, what cures. You get 20k in the line. You're like, oh, shit, I this goes through. Guess when you don't care about 20k it's when you don't need it, because you get six or seven other deals. And the way to get six and seven other deals is to get your butt kicked in situations like this over and over and over. You have to have a disciplined hustle time, and I think that's what a lot of founders do. Nobody wants to, to business develop. Nobody wants to do it. Why the hell do you think we have a thousand digital agencies in this town? Everyone wants leads to come in. Well, that's not how the world works. And if they do come in, and you have no cold calling experience or no new cold I'm talking like phone I mean, you guys, you guys know what we're talking about. Like using tools and stuff, but actually calling somebody new and explain what you do—if you have no experience doing that—and someone goes, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a hot lead in," and you've never ever reached out, you know what I mean, to a new prospect, right your children your chances of closing that are, are a lot less because you've never heard it no. So you just assume everything that's going to happen is a yes. You kidding me? I'm the it, right? So that would be probably the first lesson I would take, and then I would get on it immediately and say, "I'm going to reach out to someone else. Here's what I'm doing differently this time." Because I think this is going to close. If something's going to close now. And if you're hanging on 20K, hoping it comes in, that's a stressful environment that you create. Because all of us can create more business on it. Real quick, before I pass the mic here too, I would add to that one thing that Scott also said yesterday that was really important.
1: He had a salesperson that came back and said, well, 3M just said no, right? And he said, well, all of 3M didn't say no. There's thousands of people at 3M, right? <laughs> Find the yes in 3M, right? And so I think that. One of the flaws early on with this process is not identifying who else was in that key player arena. Now you don't have those other people to reach out to. Always find those people early on before you move on to the next one. Nick,
0: this is the next question here, and then we're going to go over there. so oh. that. Fair enough?
2: Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Anna Prisikiri, and I'm a an augmented reality startup. You know me, but I'm wondering what all of three of you will say to my question. So we have a product. I know it's an amazing product, it's a new product, and um, I am looking right now for early adopters, but not only for users as clients, but also someone who can help us to finance that, to build that product. We know we're a small team, so we don't have enough resources to build by ourselves our product. So how can I go to potential clients and say, would you be our first adopter, and can you give us money now? Yeah. So the question is, you've got a product that's going to require some development before it's really at 1.0 stage. But in order to get it there, you need some financing to build the product, kind of a chicken and egg situation. Absolutely. So the tricky thing about pre-sales or selling something before you really have it is you need to have uh, something that you can at least show, whether it's a demo or a deck. And then you need to get that in front of folks who you think are your targeted buyers. So. Startup phase, you're not gonna really know who your customer is, but you're gonna have theories around who your customer is. And those theories need to be specific. It needs to be, it's this title, it's this industry. And then you can go and list build, whether you're using Upwork or Seamless, whatever tool stack you're using to get your contacts, get lists around those people, and then start getting in touch with them. You're not sending them your deck, you're not pitching them over the email, you're selling a call. Get 15 minutes of me to learn more about how we're doing this, that, and the other. And then on those calls, you're scoping out the pain points, validating that's the right title. From there, if you've got something demoable, show it to them. The ones that are excited about it will be able to to move on things. I had this conversation with someone in the wellness space actually uh, a week ago, and they had two customers, they don't have a product yet, two customers that were paying who were gonna pay them in Q1. And it's like, you just need to have something that you can kind of show, and then have a way of identifying relevant prospects those two things in tandem, and you can get it. It is, it is kind of a numbers game early on though, so I encourage you not to get discouraged and, and keep getting those at bats.
1: So I just want to say real quick that she called me on this like a week ago, and what Sean just said to you, I think it was exactly what I said to you. So I feel, I feel good, one, I feel good about myself, so I don't, I'm not a complete jackass, and two, uh,
0: that's good, yeah. Well, that's a mic drop. No, this is the end of our podcast <laughs> session. I don't think we're going to end it any better. <laughs> so put your hands together for Sean, for Aaron. Uh, thanks for coming. Back. All right. So, what do we think? Would you learn? Well, if you like that, check out coffeeclosers.com for upcoming episodes, recordings, and more. And don't forget to check out our sponsors. Each one has been hand selected, they are best in class. Until next time, we'll see you at the next Coffee and Closers. Come Cheers.
3: Live a life we love, gotta live,
1: I said live, live a life we love.